No, we want to encourage you. There, there are sign-up sheets out here in the foyer for Life Group. Um, we're encouraging you. Here's the thing we need, though. Um, our life, our women's Bible study was pretty much packed. The women's Bible studies that we started are packed. Um, our life groups are almost filled up. The ones that we have are, most of them are, are closing out because they're, they're, they're so large. And so we need leaders to actually host and lead, um, life groups. So I want to encourage you this morning, um, not to be like him, but to be a strong life group leader. We need, now there's some people sitting out here coming to Grace Chapel and they feeling like, well, we're just kind of hanging out. We're kind of getting used to it. But if you feel used to it enough, we'd love you to step up and lead a life group because we need more life group leaders. There's a stack of people, I mean sincerely, over the last couple of weeks who want to be involved in life groups, but we're trying to find life groups to connect them to. So if you are, if you have that leadership ability, we'd love to have you as a leader. We'll train you and we'll put you in place and we'll put some people around you and you can do life. To, you can do life together. All right. Not in a shallow life group. All right. In Acts chapter two, verses 42 through 47, we're going to kick this new series off. This is my community starting out in the book of Acts. Acts chapter two, verses 42 through 47. It says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Somebody read that again. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You know, I was reading about, I, I love, I'm a big tree person. I don't know about you. I love seeing like awesome looking trees, whether it's in a movie. I, I'll even pause it and, and check out the tree. I love trees. And there are some amazing trees in California. They have redwood trees in California. These things are incredible. They're awesome. And they're the largest living things on the planet. Okay. The largest living things on the planet. And they're the tallest trees in the world, not actually the oldest trees. I looked that up. They're not the oldest, but they're the they're the tallest trees on planet Earth. Some of them grow to over three hundred and seventy feet tall. All right. And they're over twenty five hundred years old. So you can imagine what these trees have been through. Three hundred and seventy feet tall. Uh, over 2,500 years old. Now, if you're sitting here, you're thinking those trees, I don't know about you, but have you ever tried to dig up a tree out in the forest? I like my, we, my father has some land in Virginia and he has oak trees on the land, different trees. And I'll go out there sometimes that I want to transplant in the fall when the leaves are gone. I'll transplant one of the trees from there to my yard or something. And I remember trying to dig up like a seven foot oak tree. Ever try to dig up a seven foot oak tree? It didn't look too big. I mean, it was a skinny looking thing. But those things have roots that just shoot so far down to the ground. So you think you think these redwood trees that are just massively tall and massive all the way around would have root systems that would drive way down deep into the earth. So they can wrap around big boulders and hang on to all the dirt, hang on to everything that's down there, they have big old taproot. You'd think that, but if you did, you'd be wrong. 
redwood trees, the tallest trees in the world. These massive 300 foot trees have a very, very shallow root system, a very shallow root system. What they do, though, to survive, what they do is they are intertwined with each other. All the all these massive redwood trees, they will their root systems are, again, very, very shallow, but they run along and they intertwine, they interlock with each other. One expert says they basically hold each other up, hold each other up. And I was thinking to myself, what kind of storms, what kind of struggles, what kind of things must have come through in the last twenty five hundred years? And these trees remain standing. They hold, e- they hold each other up. They're, they're, like I said, they're intertwined. They support each other. They sustain each other. They need each other to survive. And so do we. So do we. You had that string I gave you, right, when you came in. You were given a string. I'm going to try something. Never heard about this before. Never tried it before. But I love, I love this analogy of the, these redwood trees where they're intertwined. They're connected. So as I'm talking, I want you to start tying the string to the person next to you. Tie your string together. We're going to intertwine ourselves this morning with everybody else. We are the body of Christ. Jesus Christ has given us the church, the local church. He's given us this body. We are, like we said last week, we are living stones. We are living stones. We are the body of Christ. And the foundation, the cornerstone, is Jesus Christ. And we are linked together through Jesus Christ. We are intertwined through Jesus Christ. And we need each other. We are better together. Through Jesus Christ, we are connected into a spiritual family, a a family of faith through the head, through Jesus Christ. All of us, all of us who know Christ are connected to each other. We are in relationship with one another. We are brothers. You know, people say, hey, brother, hey, sister. That, That terminology comes from the fact that the Bible says that we are brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. God is our father. We are intertwined with one another. We have a community of faith. We belong to each other. And like the roots of the redwood tree, when we are tied together, there is nothing on this earth that can destroy us. There is nothing on this earth that can knock us down and hold us down. There is nothing on this earth that can come against us and overcome the body of Christ when it is tied together. I think in our in our modern church, we're missing some of that. We're missing this analogy. We're missing the spiritual truth that the local church, the local body of Christ, we are tied to churches all over the world. But there's something unique about the body of Christ, the local body of Christ, and how those people are knit together, how they are tied together, how they're intertwined, how they're interlocked with each other, how they hold each other up and sustain each other through the most difficult times. Through Christ, God has made a family. He has made us into a family. This is a God-given, God-designed support system for us. So as you're going through here, yeah, make sure everybody tied, you tied to someone around you. I'd like to even get the person tied to the person behind you and tied, uh, you know what I mean? You got to invite more friends next week because we got to, you know, tie. Hey, there you go. I like this. You got it all tied together. We're all strung together here. Excellent. Tying each other together. 
I mean, it's a great, you think about that. I mean, when I first heard this with these redwood trees, I've heard it a while ago, but it just, it intrigued me to think that something so massive could sustain itself for so long with shallow roots. And how do they do it? They're underground, they grab each other, they hold on to each other. And that's what we need to do as the body of Christ. And I want to just really encourage a couple of people very quickly. Adele, who is one of our staff people in the office, it took her it took her a long time to cut each. Of the, I came up with these great ideas and say, you get it done. You know what I mean? And then they got to figure out how to do it. I need 500 strings or whatever, or a thousand strings. Or they got to figure out how to do it. So she tied them all together. And I mean, she made all those things and Karen helped her. And so if you see Adele anytime today, tell her, hey, thanks so much for all that work and all this, too. All the work that went into putting this all together from the praise team, Gordon and Kat, really the leaders of that. But we have a tremendous staff of people, a tremendous group of volunteers who make Grace Chapel move forward each and every week. So I want you to encourage those people when you see them. You know, being being a part of his body meets a lot of critical needs in our lives You know, there's so much that goes on in our lives, isn't there? I mean, constantly. We're constantly struggling. There's always something coming up. I I can't remember. Maybe you can. I can't remember the last time that there was some there was there, there was there was nothing I had to do. Like your my mind just went completely blank. And well, I, what am I going to do? I don't really have anything to think about. I don't have a problem to deal with. I don't have an issue I have to work on. I don't have a you know I don't have to catch up with this or deal with that or prepare for this or you know. It's life is challenging and being a part of the body of Christ meets some very critical needs. Acts 2, 44 says all the believers were together. They were all together. And it wasn't easy to be a Christian in the first century church. It wasn't easy because they were under constant persecution. They were always being persecuted. Because of the real, because of this, the reality, the, this reality, the early church had to stick together. They ho- had to hold together. They needed to be bound together in fellowship. Now, I can't really relate to what, what they went through in, in the persecution they faced. I mean, this was a life and death kind of persecution many times. Couldn't get a job. You know, you couldn't go to school. All these kinds of things. You were alienated from your culture. But I remember living in, in Marblehead, Massachusetts. Okay. And in the entire on the entire North Shore in our area, there were three, three evangelical churches. There are more than three evangelical churches, a stone's throw from our church. You could nearly hit two other churches right back here from where we are, let alone the church across the street and all the way down the road. There are churches, evangelical Bible believing churches, okay, all over the place. There are three of them. It was such a. I'm going to use the word non-Christian environment or secular, if I can steal that word just for a second, environment, okay, where people did not believe in God, had an animosity toward God in a lot of ways. And I'm going to tell you something. You connected. One of them was, a, I can't remember the denominations, but I didn't really care. Now we're like, oh, you're that denomination and you're this denomination. And we can pick and choose what churches we want to fellowship with because there's so many. And if you don't particularly like this person's, you know, a little twist on the theology, well, you know, I'm deal with those people. I'm going to tell you something. When there's three churches on the entire North Shore, you connect with each other. You need each other. You need fellowship with people who are aligned with that, you know, are aligned with the word of God. 
And this, it was very difficult for these early believers because there was so much persecution. Those early believers needed, didn't just like to hang out with each other. They needed each other. Their strength was in numbers. Even today, it's difficult to be a follower of Christ in this culture. It's extremely difficult to follow Christ. We face so many obstacles in our desire to be like Christ and to desire to to follow after God. Our desire to follow after Jesus Christ as our Lord. Pressure to conform. Think about it. You have pressure to conform at school. You have so much pressure to conform at school at work. When you're on a team or you're, on, you're, you're, you're in some kind of club, it doesn't matter. There's so much pressure on all of you to conform to the likeness of the people that are around you. There's so much constant pressure on you. And think about the, how your time, you want to follow Christ, but you're pulled, by, you're pulled in so many different directions by so many different activities when it comes to your, when it comes to your time. Or you, it seems like temptations around every single corner. You want to do the right thing. You're, you really you really do. You want to do the right thing. But every time you turn around, someone is offering you something. Someone is tempting you with something. Something is pulling you in the wrong direction. It is not easy to be a follower of Christ. But God in his wisdom, God in his wisdom has not left us alone to run this race. He's not left us alone to fight this battle. He's given us each other. We are linked together like those redwood trees. Our root systems are linked together or should be linked together because that's what God desires. Just like he created those redwoods and put those trees together, shallow roots, but they don't fall down to over 2000 years and every storm you can imagine, every struggle you can imagine. And they are still standing. Why? Because individually they're so strong. You put one redwood tree that tall for one year in a place by itself. It is going down. I don't care how big it is. I don't care how massive the trunk of the tree is. It's going down. It has nothing to hold on to. And God in his wisdom has not left us alone to run this race or fight these battles. We have each other. He's given us a community. He's given us insight on how to live. In Acts chapter 2 and verse Verse 42, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. So they do, This is what they devoted themselves to. They were together. They were they were one in Christ and they devoted themselves to these things. The teaching to which they're talking about here is the message of Jesus Christ that was proclaimed by the apostles. And that was that Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, Came to earth incarnate, incarnate God incarnate comes to earth. He lives a life here on earth. He is crucified. He is buried and he is risen. He is the Messiah. He is our savior. That is the message they're talking about. The message of Jesus Christ, the divine son of God, savior of the world, crucified, buried and raised again. The breaking of the bread they're talking about here is is the Lord's Supper. It's communion. It also refers to when they would get together, because they do this a lot in their homes, they would get together around a common meal, sitting down, connecting with each other, building relationships, sharing bread with each other. We, we spent time, I, I, was, I was 8 o'clock yesterday morning till about 
probably five o'clock in the afternoon and I had to come home and study a little more. And but as a church, a lot of us went in that parade yesterday, the Mason Heritage Festival. We set up a booth and, and the cool thing for me to watch was the relationships being built. Yes, we're reaching out to our community. Yes, we're handing things out. It was a blast and people got to shoot in the, the target practice with the archery and we built a lot of relationships, but we built relationships with one another. We were connecting with one another, which is extremely important to get to know the people around you. And that's what we had the opportunity to do. And, and Acts 4, 42 is saying they devoted themselves to teaching and to prayer. They devoted themselves to connecting with one another. Fellowship, teaching of the word of God, prayer, service, communion were the focal point of the first century church. This was the focal point. Obviously, they went to work, obviously did a lot of other things, but they came together. They were held together in Christian community through that. I would submit to you that that a believer in Jesus Christ needs the local church in order to grow and continue on their spiritual journey, to grow and strengthen themselves on their spiritual journey. And I would submit to you that the reason that so many in the church are so weak, I'm not just talking about Grace Chapel. I'm not picking on our church. I'm saying the church across the world. The reason sometimes the church is so weak is because the bonds, the roots are not connected. The bonds aren't there. It's just bing, 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 all the way around. We need to bond with one another. We need to connect with one another. We need to find a place where God is saying, this is the place where I want you to be. I want you to connect your roots with the people around you because there's going to be a time where they're going to hold you up and there's going to be a time where you're going to hold them up when those winds blow. I love that whole, you ever see the, the penguins and the, you know, the penguins get, you know how they survive? All these penguins, these massive thousands of penguins, they huddle together and the guys on the outside are like, oh crud, I don't know how much longer I can take this. The guys on the inside are like, you know what I'm saying? They're like, this is nice and toasty. The guys on the outside finally, and, and I don't know what they do. Maybe they like bump each other or something like I'm about to freeze to death. And the guy in the, in the outside scoots in and someone takes his place. He scoots in right in the middle and then he's nice and warm. And he's like doing a jig and all the guys on the outside are cold, but they rotate. They keep each other alive by rotating and protecting each other. That's what God is calling us to do. And I, again, I would submit to you that that we cannot we cannot become the people that God has created us to be without people like each other around us, building into us, strengthening us, encouraging us. The New Testament, the New Testament people stayed together. They were they stayed with each other. There were no lone ranger Christians in, in, in the in the early New Testament. You couldn't just say, well, I kind of do my own thing. Because no redwood tree, my friends, can stand alone. I don't, again, I don't care how strong you think you are. I don't care how independent, you know, uh, you know, that you think you are. Individualistic and all. That's fine. It's totally fine. But bring your individualism into the whole. And build the whole. Because you know what they called a lone Christian in the first century church? Anybody? A dead Christian. Okay. Many times they were dead. If you were alone, you were dead. I love this analogy. You ever watch the animal planet or whatever else? And the guy goes, the lone wildebeest goes out or, or water buffalo is going out to eat some grass by itself. What's the next thing that happens? 
the lion, 19 lions jump out of this little teeny grass and it tears all the pieces. But I'll tell you what, when that, will, when that water buffalo is with the herd, the lions are not dragging off anyone. Okay? Because the herd will defend its own. We need to be together. We need to be together. Believers needed each other. And, and God expected them in the first century. God expected them to take care of each other, to be there for each other. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed here. We need each other. There are people who have gone through loss over the last few months, people who have gone through bankruptcy over the last few months, people who have gone through horrible circumstances in their lives. And we've come around each other and held literally carried each other through this, through those difficulties. What would we do alone? I don't I don't know how a human can. So, you know what happens to a humans all by themselves for a very long period of time? And I'm not being I'm not being like sarcastic or funny or whatever. They, they end up pushing carts in, in the cities around America talking to themselves. I'm born that way. You take a what's the worst thing you can do to someone in the military when you capture them? Bingo. Right. Torture them. That's not the worst. Put them by themselves for long periods of time messes people up. Because we are designed to be together. And as, a, as Christians, it's even amplified because we are the body of Christ. It is no different today. We play a part in each other's lives. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 says that we should not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but we should encourage each other. We should encourage each other. We need to build into each other. God has a purpose for putting us together. Now, I know, and people do, I've talked to other pastors and they are really, nervous about even bringing this up but i just feel like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna push it or like i don't make anybody feel guilty but at the same time i think shrinking back from it is not a good thing but i've heard from pastors around the country that once a month ish is pretty much regular church attendance now you should not give up meeting together or some in the habit of doing but let us encourage one another how do we encourage one another how do we lock arms and lock hearts and lock roots and intertwine and whatever else if they're if you're not here to do that with us we need each other so it's not like you hey, well, people should come to church more that's not it i'm saying that we as from a biblical foundation we need each other that's why people need to be here you need to be a part of the body of christ because it's going to be that, this world is tough. I need you here because there are things that you bring to the table, things you bring to the body that without you don't function well, makes life harder all the way around for the for the rest of the body to function. So we need each other. So this challenge in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 uh, is not one where I'm shaking my finger. It's more one where we have to ask the question, if if the church drifts and pastors won't bring it up because they're afraid if they bring it up, then you'll then people will say, well, you think that's bad? I'm going to I'll take my once a week someplace else. And so everybody just shuts their mouth. I think that's wrong. I don't want you to go somewhere else. But for goodness sake, I'm not going to stand here and just be afraid to say the tell the truth because someone might get upset by what I'm saying. I don't want I don't want to take people off for no reason. I'm just saying that this is what the Bible calls us to be and calls us to do. And as often as we can be together, as often as it's possible, we should be together. Why? Because that's what God has called us to be a body working together, roots connected, all tied to one another so we can fulfill what he's called us to do. All the believers that said were united in Christ. They were together. They were one. And they made their goal. They made their goal to try to live 
their lives sensitive to the Holy Spirit and to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's what they did. Think about it. How could how is it possible for such a, 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 a small group of people under total persecution all the time? How is it that they were able they were able to transform the world? How is that possible? How could that group of people change planet Earth in every single way? I mean, the entire earth was changed by this, basically by this group of people. How is that possible when they had so little, they had so little to work with? We have so much to work with, and it seems that we just kind of limp along. See, the leaders of the early church focused, focused, okay, on Jesus Christ, others, and holiness. Part of the problem with the modern church is that the leaders of the modern church, many of them, many people within the modern church, focus on themselves, celebrity, and happiness. That is a problem. That's a problem. We need to focus on others. We need to be focused on the kingdom of God, building the kingdom of God. Not building, it's not about building our kingdom, it's about building God's kingdom. God's plan hasn't changed. He still wants to use the body of Christ to impact the world. He wants to use the body of Christ to change us from the inside out, to change our lives, and to change the world. A strong community of faith is absolutely critical to the spiritual well-being of the individual, of the local church, of the community, of the nation, and of the world. But that will never take place unless we are connected together, unless we are intertwined, unless we are holding, holding together to the body of Christ. I was in Africa and I heard a story. And there was a story of a little girl who had been lost and they couldn't find her. Everybody started running around. They couldn't find her. And what they did, what they do in Africa, if someone is lost because of the terrain in a lot of the parts of Africa, and it's hard to go down these gullies and these rock formations. What they did was they the whole entire tribe grabbed hands with each other and they went out. They made a huge line across and they went as one and walked the land that way. They held hands and looked and there was everybody together and they found the little girl because they were together and they were able to work together, linking arms, not missing anything, walking across that terrain. They found her individually running around. If you mapped it out, they probably missed tons of spots. But when they work together, when they hold hands, when they're one, they're able to accomplish their task. We face we will inevitably face challenges and difficulties and, and struggles in life. But God will give us through his body the support that we need, the strength that we need, the encouragement that we need, the, the empowerment that we need to make it through if we are together, if we stand together. You know, as we face the storms of life, Every single one of us face different storms in life. We face, and as we face those storms, as we face those temptations, as we face those struggles, as we face those difficulties, we need, listen, we need to draw from the strength of each other. We cannot, there, how, many, how many of you here can honestly say, and don't you have to raise your hand or say anything, but that you've at one time in your life, you've reached deep down to find that inner strength and there was nothing there. There's a point in life where you reach deep down and just come up empty. But you know what? That's when someone else, someone else's roots are right there and they pull you up and they hold you up and they carry you and they give you the strength that you don't have. You're a part of, you're intertwined with, you will not go down. 
you will not go down and stay down because the rest will lift you up. The rest will carry you. The rest will be your strength when you have no strength. Over the course of his life, David faced a lot of trials and a lot of painful challenges in his life that tested his faith. And and honestly, it sometimes caused him to waver. It did. It did. And in Psalm chapter 61 and verse 2, he cries out to God for help and he says this, I call to you as my as my heart grows faint. He's beaten down by the trials and the discouragement and the difficulties and the tragedies and the heartaches and the burdens of life. And he calls out to God for strength and help. And God in, in, in verse in verse five of that of Psalm 61, David is rejoicing because God answers his prayer for strength and his prayer for love and for help. And God answers it. And David says this. He says, you have given to me the heritage of those who fear your name. God. God had strengthened his faith and empowered him, but not by the way I think he was expecting it, but through other people, through other, through those around him, through those who had come before him and those who were around him. God used them to strengthen David's faith. God's power in our lives is often revealed through other believers to those people who are around us, we get a better sense of who God is and God's love and God's and, and God's and God's care because God gives us each other. Have you ever been the answer to someone else's prayer? I remember in Mexico, this group, this uh, orphanage in the mountains was praying and praying. They had run out of food and and we had just they didn't know we were coming. And we went up in, this, in the mountain. We brought, I mean, truckloads of stuff. And when we got there. They said, you, you, are, you are the answer to our prayer. We've been praying. We were running out of food. And this was the last day we ran out of our last meal. And then you show up with us. We were the answer to their prayer. God's care and love was expressed through the believers that were around them. We were the answer to their prayer. What an incredible What an incredible privilege to be the answer to someone else's prayer. That's why we cannot go it alone. We cannot stand alone. We need to be a part of the body of Christ working together to fulfill all that God has for us as the body. The local church is critical for so many reasons. And one of the other reasons is because it's the place where we can serve Christ. It's a place where we serve each other and we reach out to our community. We impact the world together, but we bring what God has called and given to us to bear on the church. In verse 44, it says all the believers were together and had everything in common. Their ministry to each other included like the sharing of material goods, right? To To make sure they were meeting the felt needs of others. Here's the deal. God calls each one of us to give whatever that whatever we have, whether it's physical, whether it's financial, whether whether it's your, your area of giftedness doesn't matter. God calls us to that. But this specifically is talking about financial. And what he's saying is that we need to understand that we are stewards of what God has given us, not owners. God owns it all and he allows us to be responsible for what he is given to us. He allows us to be responsible for, if you will his stuff while we're here and he wants us to use it to impact the lives of others especially those within the body of christ we need to use whatever gifts that we have to support each other again whether it's financial gifts whether it's intellectual abilities that you have in business all those things we need to use those things to impact the lives of other people god wants to use us 
God wants to use all of us in a powerful way. And God has designed Grace Chapel to do some very unique things within the community. One of the things he's called us to do that's very unique is our marketplace ministry. We're able to, like I said, the Trinity Salon and there's CrossFit and we own the thrift store. We have a, and I'm not going to go into all. And there's so many things that we're doing with incubating businesses and accelerating businesses. And God has allowed us to do so many dynamic things. And we've had people from all over the world just this month come and visit this campus because of the uniqueness of what God has put together here. People from Canada, people from Australia have come here and walked this campus this this month. Actually, day before yesterday, Cedarville University sent some of their business department down here to, to talk with us and to walk the campus, see what we're doing. And I got this letter. I'm going to read it to you very quickly. I know we're running out of time, but I want to read it to you because what we're talking about here is how we in the body of Christ use our uniqueness together, working together, how we can do something dynamic within the community, within our nation, within our world, and then how others can come and, and glean from that and use that and build upon that. To continue to further, not our kingdom, but the kingdom of God. It says, hello, Mr. Greer. I'm astonished by the marketplace ministry at Grace Chapel. That Grace Chapel has jump-started, helping people here throughout work on purpose and around the world and here through self-sustaining enterprises, as well as the food pantry, the, the thrift store operations. They're a powerful testimony to how you convey Christ to the world around you! Exclamation point. I was I was recommended to talk to you by Dr. Sternberg. I hope that's the right way to pronounce it. A professor here at Cedarville University this semester as a part of our integrated business core program. My class is starting a business and then looking to give any of the profits away to a deserving nonprofit in the area. We also want to serve at the nonprofit dedicating 10, 10 service hours per person, 24 students in the program. Would the marketplace ministries be a nonprofit that could use substantial donations and 240 hours of service? I hope our class can help your ministry. Let it, let me know if this would be something that would profit you and also us, um, and, or if there are any other nonprofits you think you'd recommend. Now, that's the second letter, the second email I got yesterday, one from all the, Austra- the people in Australia and one from CW University, saying you're doing something unique here. Because you've come together, and that's just one area of ministry, marketplace ministry, but we are impacting the lives of the people around us. We, as followers of Jesus Christ, need in this church, this local church, to link arms. We need to link hearts, not just arms, but hearts. And as we link together, there is nothing in this world that can stop us from doing what God has called us to do. If we're just... If we're not linked, I guess, if we're not tied together, if you will, we're going to be limited in what we can do. But my friends, I want to beg you to to commit yourself to the body of Christ that God has called you to here and to use whatever gifts, talents and abilities and resources that God has given you to impact the world around us. We are doing astounding, astonishing things within this church. And together, we can do even more. Here's what I'd like you to do as we close. I want you to stand up. And I take your, your string. Okay, get the string. If you, and this side, you need to connect to this side. This side, you need to connect over here. So you guys come across or whatever else. Tie your strings together. All right? Make sure you're all tied together. <laughs> this is awesome back here. Tie them together over here. I've never done this before, so I don't know what's going to happen. Some people might get tripped or whatever. <laughs> we have insurance, so... Take your time. (laughs) 
All right. If you would, Jen's going to take a picture. Why don't you hold up the string? Hold it up so you, so she can see it. Can you see it, Jen? Don't fall. <laughs> All right, there you go. Now, if you can hold here, we're, we're going to close out with this song. OK, I want this to be a celebratory song. So, if you know, if you can take your string and just kind of wrap it around like the chair or something, I want your hands a little bit free here. I want you to be clapping on this song as we celebrate what God is doing within this church.